Chapter 23, Moaning Lisa Bistro. It kind of has a new car smell, if you breathe deeply, Linda said as we drove to the Moaning Lisa Bistro in my new Jeep Wrangler. I had bought it earlier that week and was still excited about my new toy. The vehicle was two years old, but it was the newest car I'd ever owned. There was no way I would have shelled out that kind of money for a brand new vehicle, just to have it depreciate by a couple of grand if I drove it one mile down the road. What'd this Jeep cost you? I said. I put down five grand and the payments are only $300 a month. She checked out the back seat, then flicked the air vent a couple of times. What's the remaining cost in Gavin money units? I smiled and said, only 12 more paintings. She hit one last button on the radio and settled into her seat. Who knew you were a Jeep kind of guy? Why? Does this vehicle have any status associated with it? She looked out into the oncoming traffic for a moment. Maybe hunter-gatherer? You gonna start wearing flannel? Hey, I could bivouac some wounded Marines on the hood of this car in a pinch. Come on, the four-wheel drive in this thing will get us out of any snowbank. She pinched one of the clamps securing the canvas roof. With the top removed, it'll have that convertible vibe. I'm into it. I slowed down as I approached the red light. I noticed that I was able to get closer to the car in front of me because of the shorter hood length of the classic Jeep. It felt like driving a big go-kart. So listen, I said to Linda. James and Brent don't know that everything I give to Gary has been going into the fire. I see what you've been delivering to Gary lately. They deserve to go into the fire. Yeah, I know. I don't feel like taking shit from James because I'm doing it for the money. She rolled down the window and yelled out to the traffic next to us. My boyfriend's a whore. An old couple in a Lincoln looked at us with a bewildered expression. I just sat there in my new Jeep and took my lumps. Ten minutes later, we were at the bistro, where we found James and Brent already waiting for us at a table. An older woman on stage was singing as she strummed her auto harp. Thank God the volume was low on the PA. Linda and I grabbed a couple of chairs. Hey guys, I said to everyone. How's it going? James said, Hey. While not bothering to look up from his iPad. Brent climbed out of his chair and approached Linda while doing a big flourish with his arms apart and demanded a hug. Hey, my dear. You look fabulous. Linda gave a cheesy grin and went with it. She glanced at me while she was being enveloped by this human anaconda. How's the life of a struggling artist? I struggle with my emotions mostly. I asked everyone, do you guys want anything? I'm buying. Could you spend some of that corporate money on a spinach turnover and a latte? Brent released Linda and they both sat down. I'm fine. Caramel macchiato? I went up to the counter and placed everyone's orders with a female barista who had some interesting piercings. I ordered a mocha latte for myself and asked her as a joke, Hey, do you have any of that Luwak coffee from Indonesia? She was busy frothing the milk for our drinks and didn't bother to look up. No, what's that? It's the coffee that needs to be pooped out of mongooses, I said. I had seen a documentary somewhere. They actually fed coffee beans to mongooses in Indonesia, then waited for the beans to come out of the other end. Supposedly, the animal's digestive system changed the flavor to something special. I wanted to know who was the first guy to actually try coffee beans that came out of mongoose poop. It had to have been a dare from his buddies. I'm guessing he pretended to enjoy this concoction just to make his buddies try it and get the joke back on them. From there, my comment just spiraled out of control. Nope. She said as she banged down the coffee basket. 
We have no mongooses here. Well, that joke didn't work. I also ordered a bag of real Hawaiian Kona coffee at $34 a pound just because, what the hell. I brought everything back to the table. Brent asked Linda, What's new at the Art Attack store? We're now offering a 10% discount to anyone from the Artists Guild. Come by while you're still inspired. Brent leaned into her and winked. What kind of discount does Gavin get? He now gets his supplies from Home Depot. Brent giggled and asked me, What are you painting? Houses? I'm going in a completely different direction, I told him. James said, He's gone to the dark side with abject expressionism. Brent laughed. Abject expressionism? You heard that right. Brent turned to me and asked, What have you been delivering to Gary Eastman? I put down my latte and pulled out my phone. Brent came over and huddled around my little screen. I called up some photos that had been taken of my artwork over the past month. The same stuff that would be delivered by my musician friends. The first one was a painting of some random squares. I said, This one was called Klee's Aneurysm. As in Paul Klee? Kind of. I tried to imagine what he would paint if he experienced an aneurysm. I glanced down at the photo. You'll notice that it looks exactly like his normal work. I flipped to the next painting. A small black dot on a white background. This is Escher's vanishing point. As in M.C. Escher. Yeah. In this one, if you looked at it under a microscope, you'd see all sorts of cool figures walking upside down on staircases. But because it's so far away, it's just the dot. Brent was riveted by the photo for much too long. Oh, wow. That's deep. Linda was hiding her face behind her coffee cup, trying not to crack up. I flipped to the next one. I call this one de Kooning, age 9 to 90. It's a series of vertical panels that are supposed to illustrate the evolution of his painting technique from the age of 9 to 90. Brent concentrated on the photo. Hmm. They all look alike. Yep. I swiped to another one. This one is called O'Keefe's Meat Wallet. Brent studied it for a moment. Georgia O'Keeffe was known for doing close-up flowers. It's not what I saw. I swiped to the next one. Oh yeah, and here's O'Keeffe's Meat Wallet number two. I went to the next one. And O'Keeffe's Meat Wallet number three. Now I guess I was inspired that week. These are all great. I got to a painting of a series of overlapping Nazi swastikas. I said, I called this one Jasper's Fascism. Didn't he paint American flags? Yeah. Think of this one as a what-if alternative history. Brent looked back at the painting with some fresh eyes. Oh, wow. I looked over at Linda. She could barely contain herself. James saw Linda and started to lose it himself. He quickly hid his face behind his iPad. I showed Brent the last one. And this one is just Stella's no U-turn sign. I put away my phone. Brent looked up at me as if he had seen a UFO. This is one month of work. He asked, eyes wide. No, I said. I've got about a half a dozen other paintings at the loft that I'm keeping to myself. Yeah, he's also done some good stuff. I'm amazed Eastman pays for this crap. I'm working on getting my old patrons through the Kickstarter website. How's that going to work, Brent? You know how artists have raised money to fund their projects? Yeah. She said, sipping her coffee. Brent smiled and looked at us. I'm going to assign a Kickstarter campaign to each of my paintings. I don't get it, I said to Brent. How will it work with only one painting? People who are into my art will want to contribute. Yeah, I know that. But what's in it for them? You know how musicians and filmmakers raise money for their projects? 
I want to raise money for my artwork. Yeah, but everyone who contributed to the recording of an album or movie received a copy of the final product. Brent leaned back in his chair. Exactly. But you've only got one painting, I said impatiently. Who gets it? No, no, no. They will all own it. Getting annoyed, I said, what? Are you going to FedEx the painting to a different person each week? Are you going to cut it up and mail everyone a little square? No, no. You know how taxpayers all own our bridges? My brain short-circuited for an instant. What bridges? I asked him. I knew this would happen if I tried following Brent's logic. The guy's whole thought process was one big non-secretor. Like the taxpayers, everyone would own my artwork. I concentrated at the far wall for a moment, baffled. Fortunately, I got a text message alert on my phone, so I didn't have to continue the conversation with him. It was another video from Gary Eastman. I hit the play button and showed it to Linda. It was another of Gary's weekly video of Pedro and his buddy throwing a series of paintings into the incinerator at DLC. Linda saw what was on the screen and whispered to me, What an asshole. I watched Jasper's fascism go into the fire, shrugged, and turned off my phone. Linda put her hand on my shoulder and said, Listen, I've got two weeks vacation coming up next month. I usually go see my mother in Florida. Where is she located? She's in St. Augustine. From what I've seen, looks like a nice city. Linda gave my leg a squeeze. You want to come? Sure. I slipped my phone into my pocket. I haven't taken a real vacation in years. Can you get away from work? It's pretty slow at the gallery. I'm sure Jerry can handle whatever comes in. My family also has a cottage in the Keys. No one's there right now, so there's plenty of room. I've been dying to visit the Florida Keys. Where's this cottage? It's on Big Pine Key. About halfway to Key West. How is Key West? I've never been there. It's a blast.